Hello and welcome back to the Lightning Mindset Podcast. How is everyone? I all hope you've had an absolutely wonderful week. I am currently over in London town at the moment. Left Melbourne Wednesday night, got here London Thursday morning, just trying to get through the jet lag. Uh, had a couple of really nice runs around Regent's Park, which is next to me. It's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful spot to run around. And uh, yeah, going to be catching up with the family over the weekend and, and then some, some work stuff next week. So excited to be here. Um, and yeah, let's jump straight into this. So on today's episode, um, I'm going to share with you a recording that I did um, with an absolutely amazing person. His name is Dion Finiacaro. I hope I've pronounced that right, Dion. Um, so yeah, we did a nice little podcast last week in plain sailing, Cafe in Elwood, uh, just over 30 minutes. Uh, you'll hear all the cafe stuff in the background, people making coffee, muffins being ate. So without further ado, um, we'll dive straight into this. And thanks again to everyone for the lovely comments that you've been sending through. It's been amazing. Um, super appreciate them. But we'll we'll jump straight into this. So here it is. So on today's episode, I have Dion Fionicchiaro. Very close, yeah. Um, Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's a big muffin, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dion. Well, I pronounce it, or the family pronounces it, Finocario. But Finocario. technically, yeah. it's Finocchiaro. Fioncaro. Fion- <laughs> yeah. Close, close, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I probably should have asked you before I um, yeah. even tried to pronounce it, right? But the thing is, like, everyone gets it wrong. Yeah, but they're technically they could even be right. But oh. like the way that our family says it, we're wrong. Right. But that's how we say it. Sure. Yeah. There's probably there's a backstory to it, right? Oh of, yeah. Is yeah. There any, do you know what the story is behind the name? Is there anything? No, but if you replace one of the letters, it it pretty much means brace fennel. Oh, does it? Yeah. Brace fennel. Wow. Yeah. I like that. I saw that at an Italian restaurant and I looked it up it's like my last name and then it means braised fennel yeah wow that's incredible yeah. what yeah just to understand that like yeah. is uh yeah amazing yeah. um but yeah got dion with me today uh really wanted to get him on on the podcast not like mindset podcast um i've known dion now probably since what the start of the year since probably a bit before a bit before the clinic. yeah that's right yeah yeah so i think maybe like six no, months Six months ish, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, Dion is a uh, athlete, a marathon runner, ultra runner, a uh, decent guy. Uh, he's also a um, massage therapist, remedial massage yep. therapist, um, and a former chef, right? Yeah, for yeah. Uh, it was about 12 years worth from um, start to finish, and I couldn't imagine going back, but I definitely learned a lot. Um, resilience being a key word. <laughs> and you, um, your, how long were you chefing for? Is that the correct term, chefing? Or yeah. 
Yeah, I, I kind of started. Um, I did work experience when I was 16, and then I continued to work throughout school after that. So from 16 to like probably 32 or thereabouts, I was, you know, from kitchen hand to chef. Um, so yeah, 12 years all up, and when I was doing my training as a remedial massage, I still was chefing at the time to kind of, until I got busy enough so that I could drop it. Yeah, um, nice. Yeah. It was scary, the transition, but I knew that being a chef when you're 50 is a pretty unsustainable career while trying to have like some sort of a, a life and yeah. Um, and I knew like socially I was just like, I was not succeeding in life, you know. Um, I kind of wanted to have a bit more substance in my life than just working and being around smoking and drinking and all that sort of stuff, which was pretty much all my friends. And I guess it's um, tricky, isn't it, when you're a chef too, because you're kind of doing different split shifts and trying to weigh up different things socially. It can be quite, quite hard in that yeah, sense with friends. A lot, of, a lot of my friends were, you know, they would have Monday off. Um, we'd work all weekend after work at a night time. We'd finish at like 10 o'clock, 11.30 at night. And we'd have a knock-off beer or yeah. a, a bottle of wine that some of the customers hadn't finished. So, like, we'd just, like, have a glass of wine or something. Um, or even just, just go out to a, a pub or a, a bar, a club after work and just get on the drinks and stuff. And so it was the kind of lifestyle where you'd wake up, if you had the morning off, you'd wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning you know, whereas if you work the morning shift, you're back at work at 7 o'clock yeah. and then you still don't finish until anywhere between 10 and 11.30 at night. Mm. So it was just, it was just constantly on the go, yeah. The routine must have been quite hard as well to... Yeah, the routine was pretty much sleep when you get a chance mm. and then otherwise the rest of the week you're tired. Yeah, yeah, wow. And so when did you know you wanted to just completely um, stop? I would probably say in 2013. Yeah. So, or maybe 2012. I, can't, I, was, I still was enjoying my work and I got a lot of satisfaction out of achieving a lot of work in terms of like ticking off all of the, the prep jobs for the day and managing some of the other staff. Um, coordinating breaks and ordering and all that, I was really relied on. So I, I was, kind of, I got the satisfaction out of that. I felt needed and everything. Yeah. But again, it, like it came at the cost of kind of just like a lot of external areas. Like, thankfully, all my my last couple of long-term relationships have been with waitresses from work. Mm. So mm. it was really easy to have a social life with them because I would just work with them yeah. and then yeah. go home and then we'd be on a kind of same time schedule yeah. so it's not like we had conflicting 9 to 5 versus a 7 till 10.30 shift um, so that was a bit more convenient you know like I'd, I'd, I'd go in earlier on my morning shift and help take down all the furniture but I would also get the first coffee and in the morning and all that sort of stuff um, 
but yeah, I, I kind of knew with running that I, I started getting into it a bit more from like 2011, and then gradually as I got more and more into it, I knew that it started to conflict and compete with my time for chefing. So I knew I wanted to get out. It was just yeah, the running took a lot more. Um, precedent with my time and I was a lot more committed to it mm. and I, I just knew that at some stage one of them had to give up and I was not not really willing to give up the running yeah yeah that was your main focus in terms of putting yourself well, think, into that arena I think like self-care I knew that I really enjoyed mm. it and my mind needed to be I think I have a bit of like an addictive personality so I knew I needed to give myself to something and I was getting a lot more satisfaction out of doing it with running than I was with work. Mm. So I knew at some stage I would have to find a way to enable that to be a bit more sustainable while also still being able to work full time, yeah. which, you know, I'm never going to make a living out of running, so, mm. yeah. And um, so when was it when you completely stopped chefing? Was it, did you say 2013? Was it, well... So I did my training in 2014, and then I had to up study again for another year in 2016. But I didn't fully get rid of the cooking until towards the end of 2017, and and then even still in 2020 I went back for six months um, because I couldn't work massaging. So I was um, working at like a a meal prep place in uh, Knox City that I was, yeah, I, I worked there like a couple of days a week, pretty easy job, um, it was actually quite a good job, but my heart was no, nowhere near it, um, but otherwise I would say I, I got out in 2017. Yeah, nice. And what made you like want to get into running more? Was there something in particular, you just kind of, you said you got an addictive personality, did you kind of get addicted to running yeah yeah so it was very much just like had a couple of a couple of fun runs that I got into and it was more so that I got into those because I hadn't exercised enough you know in over a year like no walking or anything at all yeah and I kind of started to get a bit of a dad bod and I was like 21 years old and that's a young dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, socially smoking. I was drinking a lot. Um, and I would just eat eat garbage, you know, just like sausages and baked beans at midnight for dinner. You know, I wouldn't eat really throughout the day. Maybe some like um, chocolates from the pastry section of the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of it. So it was kind of like for me is a way to get back into some bit more of a healthy lifestyle and I had no intentions of like being competitive but once I started I couldn't not be competitive yeah. and I just each fun run that I did was kind of it became my new longest ever run so it was like a six and a half k fun run up around Arthur's seat and then there was an 8k and then there was a 10k run for the kids which was like 14 did a half marathon and then it just I just kept thinking and actually my my speed was not obviously not as fast for longer distances but my results were ranking higher 
So I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm getting better at running. I'll continue going longer. Yeah, sure. So I did that. Did my first marathon. What, like, what was your first marathon at the time? Uh, three hours 17. Wow. That's or, awesome. That was my net time. I think it was like three hours 20 um, gun time. Yeah. You know, obviously that's just a couple of minutes to cross the line. And was that in Melbourne, that one? It was at Melbourne. I think my longest ever run before that was like 30Ks. And like, I kind of bonked in that. And so yeah, got 30Ks into Melbourne Marathon, my first one. I kind of wanted to run three hours, but I didn't even have like a watch. I had like a pedometer, you know, things mm. you have. Um, <laughs> so I had no idea what I was doing. I was having really rich, fatty, like gnocchi bolognese with like heaps of cheese the night before and Mars bars and sneak chocolate bars and all that. Was the gnocchi, the fam- did the family make you that? Or was no, that-, that, was at a, that was at the restaurant. That was at the restaurant, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I would also just, you know, a couple of Powerades, chocolate bars, was like my breakfast and stuff. And I was just thinking I need the energy, but I didn't really consider that the amount of fats in it and stuff that they kind of weigh you down as well. But anyway, so I I um I did that and I remember thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again. And because I also had to go almost straight to work afterwards. Oh, wow. Um, in the kitchen. And I was really ashamed that I had to go to work because I'd met these awesome guys and they were going out to celebrate the marathon afterwards and I was too ashamed to tell them that I had to go to work and I was like, oh, I'm just really tired, I'm just going to stay in bed. But I really went to work. Wow. Um, And and they know now that, um, yeah, I remember thinking that, um, yeah, like, it's just not a sustainable life. And, like, I did that for years. I worked, you know, Saturday or Sunday, either before or after the race, I remember it was actually uh, yesterday or the day before. It was seven years ago that I broke the Australian six-hour track record, and the race started at 6 a.m., finished at 12 at midday, and it was in Richmond. And I reckon I started work at like one o'clock or one thirty. Wow, that is incredible! So I, and I had did to, you run to work as well? No, I, had, I had to. Um, I had to drive to Mordialic, so it was about a forty-five minute drive. And how long was the the, the actual run for that? Six hours. It was six hours. Okay, yeah. And so I'd broken the Australian record. I didn't. I don't think I stayed for the presentations because I had to go to work. And then it was. March, but it was a really hot Sunday, and I remember I wore some like compression leggings underneath my shirt pants. Wow! And I was on the salad and fryer section that day, and we got absolutely smashed at work. And I worked ten hours that day after running the Australian record for six hours, and I remember just like I did that sort of stuff all the time, and yeah. So I think that's probably what's helped a lot of my recovery. Ooh. So would you say that's almost a, a blessing in disguise with the, the recovery at the time because you're in such a hot kitchen? Um, yeah. Yeah, but it, like, it was just like a real psychological 
um, training training camp was like working hard hours, lifting up barrels of food or drums of oil or crates of this and, you know, big trays out of the oven full of, like, stock or, you know, lamb shanks or something and, um, you know, big 20 kilo boxes of calamari that you had to, like, pull out of the freezer or, you know, making lots of pizza dough and things we make it like 40 kilos at a time and just lifting and bending and then having to get down into the fridges and then cleaning at the end of the night I remember just thinking like this is going to be the death of me like it's going to like ruin me but at the same time my body was just really resilient so yeah I mean just have the mindset of like doing that six hour run and then knowing that you have to drive 45 minutes to Morty to then do a, what, another six hours plus, eight hours plus shift is, was, you, was your head like, how was your head feeling after the? Well, one of the perks of being in the restaurant was like, I had like, I probably had five or six coffees or like a jug of lemonade or, you know, <laughs> like, I just like, whatever I took, it did whatever it took to get through the night. Ooh. Um, but yeah, and obviously I could have just eaten whatever, and like I was a seafood diet, like whatever I ate, I, I, yeah. I ate it. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, it was, it was tough, like I would definitely not recommend it. If my kids were looking to get into the workforce, I would not recommend getting into like food industry, because it's just really tough. Um, but yeah. I guess it goes back to like um, time as well. It's like where you want to put your time into, you know, whether it's the running or it's being a chef. Like, I guess you couldn't have done both going forward, right? Like it just Not pro- to the level that I wanted to commit to. Sure. Yeah. I knew that I wanted to hit, commit more to running and I was doing as much as I could. Mm. But I knew if I wanted to do better, then I had to get rid of that out of my life. Sure. And what I have now, like I've got this great running business, I work as a massage therapist and so I'm talking with a lot of people, the speed of life is kind of taken out a bit, you know, there's not so much of a rush to get things done. And and yeah, like just, and just working with even like everyday runners and whatnot and then like, you know, they might be working long hours and they're still getting up early in the morning to do their run. It kind of inspires me to like, to do my, like, I'll wake up in the morning and i like, oh, it's cold and windy in the middle of winter. But I've seen these guys have gone out at 4 a.m. to do their run. They're just getting on with it. And so that really inspires me as well. So I think taking the pace out of my work with, I still work a lot, but mm. the speed of all the intensity and urgency is not as much as it used to be. Sure. And I think that's really uh, improved my running. And yeah, mm. that's awesome, amazing. And I know um, you. So you hold the record for the 50k's in Australia, right? Um, yep. That was. I was. I was reading about it. it was in December 2020. Is that right? I think, it, yeah, it was the 29th of November. Well, just, yeah, 29th, 29th of November. November. Yeah. Um, and that was literally, we were 
documenting our training on a podcast, the Run Culture. Yeah, great. Um, for like 10 weeks leading into the event and mm. we were still, at times, we were still in our one hour um, curfew of, yes. of lockdown. So we were like documenting our training and saying that, oh yeah, we ran for an hour every day of the week. To then know that we had 50Ks that we hadn't even locked in a date, we hadn't secured a venue, we had to make sure it was um, certified so that it could be recognised for a record. Sure. We had to get timekeepers, we had to, because it was just four of us doing this race mm. and we organised it off our own back. Um, so it was a really interesting experience. I wouldn't go and start organising my own races. Um, it's, it was a bit of a difficult process, but for something to have to work towards during pretty tough 2020 with lockdowns, that was a really great um, goal and achievement to work for. And mm. thankfully, I, we, you know, I got that record. And one of the other guys, Dane Irway, he also went under the 50k Australian record. But Amazing. He did it a minute after me. Oh. <laughs> Because you got, it was two hours and 50 minutes. Yeah. And 49 seconds, I think. Yeah. Something wow. like that. That's incredible. And um, it was just on the track on a 400 meter circuit. Yeah. And, and it was actually quite um, a bit windy and, and it rained on and off all that morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Slippy um, on the track as, as well. Not really. Not really slippery. But I kind of like that. Uh, repetitiveness of being on a track I don't mind it and you know you always know that if you need a drink and you miss it on one lap you can get it in 400 meters time you can see your support crew we had a DJs there oh nice putting on music and so it was really good and we had the sports beers there and mm. like people were coming and just having um, you know those non-alcoholic beers and mm. it was just a really fun morning even with the rainy weather, like yeah, it was it was a great atmosphere. So in terms, of you say you, you don't mind the repetitiveness of the track. Was there any point in the race where you're like, I don't like the repetitiveness no. of the track, the no. whole the, the whole thing? Because how many laps was it in, in total? 125. Wow. I remember thinking, I didn't even look at the lap counter. Yeah. Which was counting down from 125. Yeah. I didn't even look until I think it was like 60 laps to go. Mm. First time I looked at it, I didn't even notice it. Oh. And halfway down. Yeah, <laughs> and because in the past I've already like I've done 100k on the track before. Mm. I've done the six hours on the track before. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I wasn't worried about the distance. I wasn't worried about the laps. And I kind of went into the race feeling like I was going to run the record anyway. Yeah. You had it in your mind, you were set, like, this is, I, what, this is I, what I'm going for in terms of time. And yeah, I kind of thought to myself, I'm going to run two hours 50 or, or hopefully better. Yeah. And that's pretty much what happened. So I was pretty lucky that the race went kind of the way I had imagined. And yeah. I remember getting to 30Ks. We had uh, a pacemaker, Liam Adams, and he's like a 210 marathon on he's you know Olympian and everything and another um, guy Jess Dunmore and 
I remember they paced up until 20 and 31k and I remember thinking that from then I was like it's go time now like the race is beginning Wow! and by that stage I'd just broken free of Dane and Craig and John and I just was like I'm going to run the record today like I knew 20k's out that I was going to get it so you kicked into gear at that last 20 you were just like set I'm going to go or I probably was like 5 or 10k's where I maybe picked up the pace just fractionally a couple of seconds a k but then the last 5k I slowed down a little bit but it was still you know I think I ran through the marathon in 2 hours 23 2 hours 24 and then just kept going so it was yeah it's fantastic it really does help when you have something on your mind like if you've got like a picture or a visual and it's in your mind it, it, it does work like the visuals do work I, I even had it for when my, I did my marathon I had like 244 yep. 244 I just kept re- repeating it in my head and you know where the mind goes energy grows it like it just locks onto yeah. that thing and you can sort of push through yep. so um, but that's amazing, and you're still the, the record holder, right? For, for 50k? For 50k's, yeah. 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 And now 2022, what's, I guess it's a couple of years later. Um, I know we've been speaking, but you're, you're planning to do Berlin later this year, and also... Yeah, the Berlin 100k World Championships. Yeah. And there's that 50k race, uh, the 100k race in Sydney in just over six weeks' time. Amazing. So, I'm not sure if I'm going to go for the record there. It depends on the field. It sure. might be a bit lonely. Yeah. But it is a 5K loop, which I'm kind of happy with that at least, even if I'm running by myself, I might at least be able to overtake all that people and then that might be enough of an incentive to, to go for the, the record, which, sure. you know, six hours, 27 minutes. So, I've got to run low 3 minute 50 per K. But yeah, I don't want to not go for it in Sydney in six weeks, but then potentially with COVID or this war thing going on that maybe I can't go to Germany in mm. August. Mm. So, so you might try and push the, the boat on this one. If... It's kind of a free shot. I've got my yeah. qualifier for Berlin, the world champs. So mm. I kind of have a free shot and then... Whatever happens in Berlin is kind of a bonus. Yeah. Wow. That's a big feat. To do, you know, to, to potentially get the record in. If you were to get the record in Sydney, would you still do Berlin? Yeah, it's a world championship. So like, yeah. I want to be top 10. Sure. Yeah. Um, I want to... I would love to medal, but yeah. there's some... There's obviously some much better... Comp- competition out there than me but it's also similar day to comrades so I'm not sure what happens with the field I think the world championships takes a bit more prestige than comrades because it's only every two years where comrades every year but comrades is the biggest ultra marathon in the world you know there's 22,000 kind of people roughly and yeah that'd be an amazing opportunity to do that too because you were going to do that right as well Things kind of in 2020, yeah, and then in 2021, yeah, and then now they're like a day apart, the comrades and the 100k world champs. So I, I picked the one that is less frequent, yeah, sure. Um, 
makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's exciting and you know, it's definitely got the the hunger to go for it and you know, it's an amazing record, the 100k, but you know, I, I think that probably got it in me if I have a good prep and and I have a good day, you know, good weather, yeah, you kind of need to win the lottery to get everything right on the, sure. on the day, but yeah. yeah. It can be so unpredictable with the, with the weather and whatnot, yeah. That's awesome. And you know, the run club's going good, business is going well. Yeah, it's been, yeah. you know, it's been fantastic, like, to, to really kind of start in, you know, the middle of 2020 lockdown to now, you know, we're nearly a year and a half later, the group is, look like, wonderful, we meet some amazing people, and I think there's a bit of a network effect happening at the moment, like, new people come, and they're like, oh, they're enjoying it, so they bring a friend, and... Yeah. Um, I, I just think that it's it's more than a run club. It's kind of like a family club. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. And I, you know, some of the people that are in the in the group, like you know, I would never have met otherwise. And so it's really just improving, I guess, your, your connections, um, your enjoyment, and then you're also like you. You're working together towards a common goal, and I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, so the club's been good. That's awesome. And yeah, even being part of it, it's been great. Everyone's got their own story or something, which you've really find out some interesting things about people, right? Like you were saying, you wouldn't even have met some of these guys if it, if it yeah, wasn't for absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. Big um, positive influence, I feel. And there's some amazing mm. stories of people that have like completely transformed their lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, the, you know, John or Ewan or Andrew yeah. or Mark, they're all like completely changed their lives and mm. I think it's an amazing story and it's even the people that work you know really big hours and they get up at 4am go to work come home do all the house chores look after the kids go to bed early wake up at four o'clock doing that all year long like that would be really really hard it's really inspiring and i think knowing that there's people in the group doing that it kind of inspires the next runner that wakes up in the morning they check their driver and they think, like I was saying before, I was like, yeah, I can't not go now because mm. I know I know what this guy's got going on in their life. Yeah. I kind of have to go now. For sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Strava's good like that in terms of, like, accountability, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of, you're kind of liking people's efforts, which I kind of, I really think it's a really good thing, rather, you know, like on a lot of social media things, you're just liking things for no for no reason, whereas, like, you're kind of liking this person's done like a massive run or you know they're, they're putting in that time and that yeah. effort to do something that's actually really hard to do yeah. especially if they've got families and yeah. kids and, and they're able to get it done like it's it's amazing yeah. to see that you know? well they could even yeah. you know like I was saying they could run it you know four or five in the morning they could run it nine o'clock at night they could run it midday when the kids are at school yeah. you know like yeah. it's really you just know that someone is like They've taken time out of their day to put in some exercise for themselves, their own self-improvement, and then you just know that we're all on a different kind of journey, but we're all doing it um, at our own rate, and I think that's really good to like remind yourself that 
you know, there's, ne there's never a given that you're going to be good at something. It just takes persistence, and I think that's the important thing to remember that you know you're not going to be good by you know you kind of need to be good all the time to be great. You can't be great at being good a couple of times, mm, mm. and I think that's that's kind of like one of the key things I tell other people is just. Just be good all the time, and don't be great sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Just be more consistent. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. And um, what's your plan for like the next kind of? Remember, people used to ask you, "Where do you see yourself in the next five years?" I'm not even going to ask that. Where do you the next two and a half years? Because I feel like time is so fast these days that two and a half years is almost the yeah. right the right amount. Where where, where would you like to be? Like, what, what do you want to do? Well, I think my mix at the moment, like, I really love what I have with my life at the moment that, mm. you know, like I work six or seven days a week, but I've got, you know, kind of four or five days, five days a week I'm massaging and then the other days of the week I've got Evolve Run Club and then, the, you know, the coaching side of things and I, I think that although I'm working all, all the time, it's also that's my social thing as well that yeah, yeah. you know I'm going for runs with people that I really like and I value and you know it's kind of part of the run group anyway yeah, so like sure. I would be running anyway why not do it with people that you know I really want to be involved with yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I reckon I'll be hopefully I'll be doing kind of similar to what I'm doing now with just a good combination of the coaching and massaging and you know I would love to every day I would love to have at least one day off a week of work but I'm kind of because it's my my baby the running group and then massage is kind of where I get my main income so I'm kind of like I don't want to let either go at all course, so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I would like to be able to put a bit more into the running group just you know training camp or something or every single week have a long run a group run on the weekend like they're the sort of things that will happen but yeah it's just um i don't see too much else changing but just having more of a consistent with the run group you know massage wise just you know i'd love to do more national conferences for my professional development nice yeah. um but yeah otherwise you know, just keep on keeping on and, and just help other people with their lives as well, which is kind of what I've been enjoying lately. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I guess if you, if you love doing, you know, the massaging and the, and the running and the run club, like, it doesn't matter how many days you're doing as well, right? Like, that's the thing. You could be doing eight days a week, but if it's, like, your purpose, if it's what you want to do, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You don't yeah. need a day off, do you? Oh, that's awesome. I can see Evolve... Evolve, evolving even more so more and more people and like it's that networking isn't it people are yeah. connecting with other you know you're just going to get you know and it's like telling people about this club and how good it is and it's more than running isn't it that's like you said yeah. it's a family thing and yeah it really it really does and, feel like a bit like a family yeah um, I couldn't imagine you know not not having it around and I yeah and I think other people now like you know like yourself and John like yeah. messaging each other being friends like yeah. there's other people within the group who would may have not really met before 
actually becoming friends and like that really warms my heart knowing that like that's kind of happening you know I've made like a, a platform for that to happen and you know I, yeah it just it just brings me a lot of joy and yeah yeah that's awesome awesome well um I'll leave it at that today um thanks so much for for sharing your your story I was kind of uh short and sweet we just say a muffin so i guess it was sweet yeah it would be sweet yeah <laughs> it would be sweet but um yeah thanks so much Dion. appreciate your time today no thanks for having me Horace. it's been really uh exciting is there anything else you want to share last words before i sort of uh press stop um no not really but like yeah obviously if you have any questions um you know on, on socials yeah. facebook instagram not on snapchat or tiktok or whatever but, um <laughs> And on Strava, definitely on Strava. Awesome. And yeah, Dion, uh, Running Club's Evolve Running Club. Yeah. Um, and also does remedial massage in Sandringham. Um, yeah. So yeah, any queries, feel free, feel free to, to reach out. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Dion. Awesome. Cheers. Great. Thanks.